This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. I am James here, joined as always by Alex. Salutations. And our favorite recurring guest on the show, Ryan Williams. Oh, I'm, in, I'm your favorite, guys? Yes. <laughs> okay. You're very dependable. <laughs> yeah, that I am, guys. Happy to be here as usual. Dependable and knowledgeable. And we have a lot to discuss because there's been a furor of debate going on in the Twitter sphere around a lot of things, namely what happened at the weekend versus Tottenham. And really, it's deflected a lot of the conversation away from the actual match. And I think almost everyone's kind of just put that to the side, given the events that transpired. So let's start with the good news, which is that Andre Gomez has been released from the hospital and is now beginning his presumably fairly long rehabilitation spell at Finch Farm with the Everton medical staff. So good to see him um, back at Finch Farm. And apparently, based on the what, what we know from the club, the surgery went extremely well. So good news. Yeah, it can't hurt. Extremely well seemed a little over the top. So it must have gone really well. You know what I mean? Because why would you write right. extremely well? I mean, wow, impressive. So, I mean, you saw it. I mean, it's gruesome. So that, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really good news. It was nice. He, on his Twitter, he posted like a little video of him saying thanks for the support and that sort of thing with a super awkward smile and thumbs up at the end. Classic footballer yeah. there. Yeah. Um, in other news, like uh, Tottenham Hotspur played in the uh, Champions League today and, and Sun scored. And he kind of did his little like apology instead of a goal celebration, um, which a lot of people naturally Everton fans are fuming about because they're saying, you know, class would have been not doing it for the PR move. But uh, either way, it's been an interesting saga over the last four days or so. Yeah, he said something about it on the post. Sorry. Of course, he has to focus on his game. I just the outpouring sympathy for Sun uh, was definitely the most amusing part of a rather gruesome injury. Like everyone was so felt so bad for him. I'm like, um, last time I checked, your ankle is still attached to your foot. So pardon me if I'm not going to feel the same amount of sympathy. I mean, come on, it was ridiculous. Yeah, and I think okay. So let's let's just get this out of the way. I mean, the red card was overturned, so we can talk about that. We can talk about the perspectives of all the fans and everyone. Um, Frankly, like you were saying on Twitter, Ryan, like, yes, the result resulting challenge and the resulting injury to Andre Gomez is horrible. But at face value, if you took the clip of that tackle and cut it out, I mean, it's it's just frankly, like it's a snide. It's a cynical challenge. It is a not smart challenge deserving of, you know, punishment of some degree. I'm not totally sure. I, I think it was definitely a red card, but it's overturned. I mean, it, it certainly fuels the fire that there is a conspiratorial agenda against Everton going on in the upper reaches of the Premier League uh, officiating ranks for sure. Yeah, I mean, to me, saw what I wrote. Yeah, I know that tackle because I've made that tackle many, many times. I've made tackles way worse where I went in with some serious venom. Um, of course, being much less mature guys. I mean, you know, I never think that now. Um, uh, 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 but, but yeah, I mean, I understand the theory and the narrative behind it that he was mad because he got elbowed in the head by Gomes. Uh, but he also kind of went in hard to try and grab a Wobie right before that. I just, if you really want to clatter someone and I've seen him play, he's a pretty aggressive player too. I'm not, I'm not going to try and pretend like he's this wonderful human being. I don't know him off the pitch. I've seen him act very aggressive on the pitch, but 
I think it would have hit him a lot harder. I just think he was tripping him, sending a message. Jeez, I would have clattered him if I wanted to send him a message. And nothing was getting called anyway. I mean, you weren't going to get a yellow card at that point for anything short of, you know, clotheslining someone. So I just don't, I think it's a yellow. I don't, there's, I don't see how you can possibly hold him responsible for him falling into Aurier. And the problem is we don't know what happened. And I remember saying at the time, well, that was very mature of NBC. And maybe they've learned some lessons to not show the replay of his ankle splitting in half. 15 times over like <laughs> us Americans, you know, Tim Crum, Ryan, the Super Bowl, if you guys remember that one. And then later, actually before that, Joe Thyssen's knee. I mean, they were all yeah. just gruesome. T- you saw him, you're like, Oh man, that is not good. But you did see the foot kind of off to the side and you thought, Oh boy. Um, I just think it's hard to hold him accountable for that. I, I do want to see what happened though. in a kind of a, not in a sick way, but Serge Aurier is not really known for being the sweetest guy. In fact, hmm. you take a red card. No, he got a penalty. The other day in the box are just being undisciplined. So I, I also know that tackle where someone's stumbling towards you, he's out of control, and you know you can really lay the hammer on him. I, I don't think that's necessarily what happened, but I don't know. I, I just, but I, I don't know. I want to hear you guys' take on that one too, and then I want to talk about the rescinding because that seemed very inconsistent. But yeah, I mean, red card, yellow, really? We think we think it was a red. I think from my perspective, I think it's a yellow because I mean it can be seen plenty times over in in which you could call it a tactical foul, right? Like the only difference between that and a tactical foul is the 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 mental state. Yeah, the premeditation. Right? Like the, I, I get, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so like God. so like a yellow card, hundred percent, because I mean it's it's uncalled for, it's a foul, it's kind of from the side, from behind, and it's malicious, but a red card I don't think so. I but from what I understood he kind of clattered into REA and then that's how he planted his foot or something is what dislocated it. Nonetheless, it's just someone tweeted, that is how you stick it to VAR when they overturned the red card. And I'm thinking like that, really? Like that is how you stick it to VAR? Like by overturning like another big six players red card, right? Like while Phil Jagielka had a three-match ban last season or, you know, the two penalties that we didn't get called. Yep. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, I I don't... So what I have the biggest problem with is... So presumably, Atkinson went to VAR, and I, I don't know if that happened for sure, but he definitely went in and saw the severity of the injury, which really shouldn't have anything to do with it. But I, there's an emotional sentiment. I get it. You're trying to control the game. Get it. But in theory, he must have gotten information from VAR. It's a red card scenario. They're certainly allowed to opine. So someone, again, I'm assuming someone in the booth decided, and I can't remember who the VAR official was, but I think maybe it was Mike Dean, but he said, hey, it's a red card. So he said, it's a red card. So how is it that after the fact, then you have another group of people looking at video that had determined that, oh, it's not a red card. So I mean, maybe I'm really mistaking about this, but you got a head ref makes a decision. You've then got a totally separate ref and crew behind the scenes that make decisions, which is not how VIR should be implemented. It's not how FIFA and their extended, like the International Rules Federation it, it said it should be implemented. And now you got a third group of people opining over what it is. I mean, I do not understand the way VR works in England. It makes no sense. And then I look at the possible penalties. How is it that Daily Ali can have a hand in the air like that? And I don't know if you saw Alan Pardue's explanation with Andy Gray. It was shameful. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You wonder why this guy can't get a job. I mean, he was protecting his head. From what? From what was going to happen? There was a lightning bolt going to come down from the sky. Protecting your head? You're protecting your head. You had your arm up. Literally, if you were protecting your head in that situation, that is an unnatural position. It's a penalty. 
I, I just don't get it. I mean, you got to at least be consistent about how you're enforcing the thing. But I still believe the big flaw here is that the center ref is not the one decisions. We know it's all subjective. We know that. But they have to be the one. There's there can only the reason why there's one ref is so that they can maintain their own control over the match and however they see fit. I just don't understand this idea of being overruled by someone totally random that that doesn't even know. Like if you're a head ref, you know if maybe you missed a call or you know maybe you didn't have the best angle one and you have assistance there. But now you have a third element of information. It should be for you to make the. You know what I mean? If you got a great look at something, you're right in front of it. You know you don't need to go to. It. But you got to be honest. You can't see everything. That's the whole point of this. So I, I just I don't get it. You know we've seen it in MLS. We've seen it in almost every other league where they go and use the pitch side monitor. Um, I, what am I? Doesn't that seem incredibly inconsistent to you guys? I mean, that to me is the big flaw here to just blatantly ignore FIFA's recommendation and oh, it'll be faster and we we're just better. I mean, it just seems like the height of arrogance to me. Yeah, Ryan, you touched on something and you said it a few times and you said I don't get it and I think that is about as apt a statement as you can make because I think pretty much everyone at this point is feeling that way. Like I don't get it. There's no transparency. People don't understand the conditions under which something can be overruled or reversed and certain things are being reviewed and overturned. Certain things are not that are seemingly blatant to everyone watching. And the assumption that VAR would somehow magically come in and just remove all the gray areas from the game was, I mean, if anyone actually genuinely believed that, I think it was probably a bit naive, but the extent to which it's become completely just catastrophic and detrimental to the experience of the match going fans, which I guess we we certainly don't fall into that category, but just, I mean, the official <clears throat> having, having not being able to like, there's so many things you can point out and it's just comes to the point and, you know, we have a unique perspective on this or not unique, but because we're American, we have a different perspective than British fans in that we understand that just because it goes to replay doesn't clear up any, oftentimes makes it more ambiguous and more confusing than it was before. And we see it all the time with the NFL because when you can slow it down to one frame every three seconds, things that happen in, happen live just become much more gray. They become much less clear and you're left making a, a gut call or a call where you feel like, you know, there's there's no black and white here. I just have to pick a side. And when it comes down to situations like that, I really think that the head referee should be the one held accountable to in being humble enough to accept that, yeah, I missed this one. I, I didn't have the angle. I didn't see the ball hit his hand, but now I can clearly see it hitting his hand. So I'm going to reverse the decision. Bringing that additional party into the into the picture makes things, obfuscates things further and makes it just more confusing for everyone. And then you have, again, for the match going fan, there's no understand. No one knows what's going on. It's just VAR review. There's a long pause. Players are standing around chatting, looking at each other. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, this is what we went with. No explanation, at least in the NFL or something, you have an announcement. The head referee makes an announcement over the PA system and says the call is reversed, player XYZ, whatever. There's just there just doesn't seem to be any of that. And you can you can chalk it up to it's the early days. And there's no question that this was not going to work from day one. But it's also clear from what we've seen so far that I think it's gone a lot worse than people even could have possibly imagined. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing, too. I want to jump in and just say it could, you know, it's the early days. That's crap to me. That's not an excuse. I look at the way MLS implemented They were running it kind of in shadow form, you know, for a lot and a lot of the matches of the year prior. And I will say this. So we've seen this in a couple different sports, too. It's like they've taken 
every good aspect of where it happens in sports. And you've got a whole a la carte item here that you can pick from. And you've done all the worst parts of it. You, I mean, it's so incompetent. So think about rugby. I don't know if you've heard guys talk about rugby, what happens and stuff. It, you can hear what they're talking about. It's kind of interesting. Um, and we've seen it in MLS and all throughout Europe and whatnot. I don't know how many MLS matches you guys have been to. When you, but when you go there and they go to, you know, they're, they're told to hold for a second and then they'll go and look in the monitor if they feel like it's legitimate. And, and you know, you can see the dialogue. They're clearly ref saying, I think I saw it pretty well. And they're like, well, you're not going to see anything different or whatever. And then if you're there, you see him go to the sidelines. So, you know what I mean? It's not like a crazy, there's at least something happening, you know? And, and it's kind of, I think you have to accept the fact that it's going to be a little bit of a break. And, you know, we're not going to see a little bit of action. And that can halt momentum. It's a little frustrating, especially after goals. And that's a trade-off. But at least something's happened for something, heaven's sakes. Uh, and it's not like the NFL, where which I despise because they keep changing the rules and no one can figure out what the heck a foul is anything anyway anymore. Um, we've lived with that for a while. On TV, it's such a made-for-TV game. They, they have stoppages anyway, so it doesn't matter quite as much. Um, yeah, I mean, they literally took every... Okay, let's see. How bad can we make this? And it seems like... That's how they implement it. In fact, what's going to be interesting is, is Alex, you're going to MLS Cup, which I think would be cool to talk about just for a second. But picture yourself yeah. in that stadium of 70,000 people. And I mean, Goodison's tight. Everyone's really close and everything. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the championship. You know, it's going to happen once or twice. It will be very interesting to see the crowd and how it, how it happens. And it can actually maybe even be a little dramatic. It's not as bad as people think when you go to the pitch side. I don't think. Right. But I'm, I mean, at the same time, though, as you said, that if MLS does anything right, it's it's mostly the use of VAR and how they implemented it pretty seamlessly. As you said, I kind of wish the Premier League would adopt that formula, right? Like, you know, everyone else say in the in the head ref's ear, like, hey, yeah. maybe you should come review this. And, and your job is literally just, hey, look at this. And then you give them the clip. And then the head ref, you know, as James said, as both of you have said. They can look at it and say, oh, yeah, for sure. That's definitely a penalty, even though I didn't call it. And then say, yep, it's a penalty, you know, and it, and it gives him the control and he stays in control that way. Uh, and 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 it's just it makes one person accountable for what's going on on the pitch, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the the, the other thing that's kind of interesting is that there is the occasion where it never really gets brought up, you know, no one sees. But but the other thing is. On NBC, and I don't know if this is true or not, they said literally that the VAR reps don't have that angle. Mm, yeah. Yes. Let, let's 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 dial that one back for a second. How is that freaking possible? I mean, so first of all, this is not the most recently constructed stadium. It's not real big. How many damn camera locations do you have? And this just in: if you don't have the one straight from behind the opposing goal that is has the capable of going all the way across the field, I mean, look. Guys, I don't want to share too much of what I do from a living, but I can assure you we can take very good pictures from space. Surely, you can find <laughs> a bloody picture from behind a net across 120 yards of a pitch, which they did on NBC, but they can't for VAR? It's I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, and it's like it's about 10 seconds after they conclude the review that that angle somehow comes out. It's like where after a three minute review, they're not like shuffling through the different angles saying, oh, this one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Here it is. This is the one it, yeah, it, it. I don't know how how that how they facilitate the application of like what feed what feed the refs on and how he's getting the different angles and whatnot. But I mean, it seems like every aspect of this needs to be 
audited, reviewed, and there needs to be some serious changes. But unfortunately, I think they're not going to be able to implement changes midseason. And it seems like we may be stuck with this unless there's some drastic action taken by the premiership. I mean, think about it. You're sitting in a booth. You've got the TVs all around you. It's not like it's one dude. You know, it's not like us on the telecast. I mean, how hard can it be? Oh, that's the best angle. You've got like 10 TVs in there, man. It's it's unbelievable to me. I just cannot believe you saw all these examples across the world of how it's done. You go out of your way to ignore all the good examples and you flat out tell FIFA, no, we're going to do it this way because it's better. Love it. I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I, I just do not. I do not get it. And I think a lot of people don't either. Um, but the clubs are talking to them. Oh, okay. We're good. We're good now. The clubs are going to figure it out. Sure. Uh-huh. Right. Just like they figured out the FA Cup where we have replay sometimes. Yeah, we don't have it other times. And, you know, you complain about the Millwall last year loss, but you had blatant offsides and other things. Oh, but we didn't have VAR that day. That's even more absurd, actually. More I think about it, that's even more absurd. We're going to have a competition where, well, something like the choice game. I mean, that's an implementation that, or like a test phase. That's How is that going live with it? It's just unbelievable to me. It's a very special moment in English football. I know everyone's really excited about it. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, we we got the beta version last season, and now we're getting apparently the, the initial release, and it's uh, bug riddled to say the oh, least. Oh, yeah, I would be very insulted if I was over there too. I, look, I, I think I'm actually going to be over there in a month, see a couple matches. I'm Ooh. just dying to know what these – oh, yeah. I'm going to try and go to the Derby. Oh, yeah, okay, Ryan. Okay. I, well, it's in the works. Hopefully, it'll happen. I'm, I'm confident it will happen, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. That's yeah. So exciting. let's yeah. Let's uh let's pivot back to the the task at hand, which is Southampton at the weekend. Um, talk about a, a little bit of actual football because it seems like last episode we really didn't get to too much of that, and this is a big one. Like it's almost it seems like we've a lot of people have forgotten. Or it's it's like I said earlier, gone by the wayside. That Marco Silva is still very much on the hot seat. Like that was a Tottenham team that was without their best player. They did not look inspired or even threatening for large stretches of the match, and we were probably fairly fortunate to end up even, given the amount of stoppage time and all that stuff. But the injuries continue to pile up, and it things are looking fairly bleak at the moment. Are there? Things that we can take, positives that we can look forward to this weekend, Ryan. Like, what what do you make of? I mean, Southampton are are by no means an elite team. We all know that they were absolutely obliterated by Leicester the other week. I mean, that's got to weigh on on the minds of the players. But it seems like um, they've somewhat moved past it because last weekend they actually played yeah they've had a couple right. of decent games recently. Um, I like Ralph as a coach. I know everyone's trashing him because they've fared so poorly this year. Well. Southampton's a little bit of a different type of side, I guess, of the lesser sides that we've played in the past. Because when we've been on this before, we've talked about what we need to do against some of these counterattacking teams and how we need to not make certain mistakes. And and I think, you know, Marco's biggest issue tactically that at least I have a problem with is his inability to attack effectively with the ball. When we are in possession, it's like he never has a plan B. It's not creative. You see a pep team play. You see how much pressure he puts on. Um fullbacks as well as center backs he plays the half space he he pulls them out he widens the channels he he does lots of creative things with movement and not marco's strong suit i mean we've seen that marco sets up a team well with open play defending and and he will pressure but he wants to generate more chances out of that pressure southampton will come at us a little bit they'll pressure too they did some really unique pressing things when i was watching against wolves that's i figured that was the best match to truly watch i saw the man city match it's not a good example they went up early and then 
sat on it. You know what I mean? A lot of different formations. They started out playing 4-4-2 at the beginning. They've been playing three in the back more recently. Um, they love to attack up the left side. Um, they've got a couple guys back from injury, I think. Dejanpo and, and Buffal, I think, will play. Bertrand, I think, is out for red card, which that will be helpful. He's an important part of that attack. I just think it's going to be a game where there's going to be a little more open play. It's going to be a little more chaotic. They're disciplined and aggressive on defense, but it won't be one of those things where they'll sit back unless Ralph springs something on us. And we really have to rely on creativity to break people down. I think we'll have opportunities to score. And I mean, we got to win this one. We've talked about it in the past, but this is a team that's been playing a little bit better recently. And if you go down some of their other games recently too, they've been pretty unlucky. I mean, they probably could have won the Wolves game. even. Like the Spur- when they played Spurs, now granted Spurs, as we can tell, is aren't playing great. Uh, Bournemouth too, which is a team that beat them three one, and and you look at all the peripherals, and Southampton looked good, so uh, they can hurt you a little bit. But boy, that defense is terrible. I mean, they're dead last, I think, in goals against. Thirteenth um, in shots isn't terrible, but um, you know they're they're never offsides. Do they're twentieth in offsides? They're they're not a great attacking team in that regard. Uh, they have scored some goals, but I mean, we've got to beat these guys. We've got to, I, I think it'll provide us the opportunity to not have to rely on that sit back, low block stuff. And I think we're going to score a couple against them. It'd be very interesting to see who Marco comes out with from a starting lineup standpoint, because Fabian Delft looks like he might be out. So could it be Morgan Schneiderlin back in with Tom Davies? I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's got to be right. I think, I think the midfield trio is going to be, Schneiderlin Davies and then one of Sigurdsson or Awobi. In this instance, I hope it's Sigurdsson because Awobi, in my opinion, had a terrible match the other day. Although I guess with Bernard out, he may be playing on the left again. Either way, I bet we see Benny Beningami on the bench as a central midfielder because, as you said, Delph is probably going to be out. He hasn't been training with the team. And then Gomez, JPG, they're all out injured. So Furthermore, you know, you look at the back line, our preferred center back partnership last match, which was still kind of a surprise, Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate. We thought that Mina was was injured still. And then next thing you know, from what I understand, he pulled up uh, kind of limping at, towards the end of the match against Spurs. And so you, we don't even know what our center back partnership is going to be unless unless somebody has slightly more information than I do. Well, someone probably does have slightly more information. Well, one uh, of you then. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, James? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. Would he change formations? I highly d- I mean, he's got to well, go. he did last time, right? Yeah, he's got to go 4-3-3 again, though. He has to, doesn't he? I mean, he's been doing it the last two games, I think. We saw we saw mostly that against Spurs. Um, I, but can you do it? I mean, we do we have three? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you went with the Roby, uh, but then who do you play out left? Um and I swear to God, if he brings up that idea that Moise Keane is a right-sided player again, I mean, he's played right wing for Italy for like 10 minutes. If anything, he played on the left. I, I just, oh, I would love to see him. I would love to see Keane against these guys, actually. But I think with Vestergaard in the middle, he's like a 6'7 behemoth. Uh, do they play Do they play Dom and maybe play Richie out left and put a Wobie in at, at the 10 or really more of a deeper player and play the 4-3-3 again? I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it, I personally, I'm expecting, I don't know if Sigurdsson gets his place back. I mean, Awobi did have a shocking match. Um, I know Alex disagrees with the decision to not pull Awobi. Um, for me, I think if you pull him 
immediately after he makes that horrible back pass that results in the goal. That's the type of decision that can really seriously harm a player's confidence. Um, but again, they're professionals, so they can get over it. For me, I think the best option we have right now is to play Richarlison on the left and then put Keane or Calvert-Lewin up top and then Walcott on the right. Like We've been lambasting Theo Walcott for the better part of a season going on, you know, all of last season for the most part, which he was not playing well. He seems to have one favor back with Silva and he's truly our only right-sided wing player that's naturally positioned out there. So I think that that's going to most likely be the front line. I think if, you know, play Richarlison on the left where he tends to be more dangerous and then for the mid haven't said one name. I know what name you're thinking and it's the name that I saw floated around on Twitter (laughs) and for all that he does attitude wise, and he's an exemplary player in that regard. I just do not, do not see a way that Cenk Tosin can factor in to the starting lineup on Saturday. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Yes. He works hard. Yes. He has goals in him from time to time, but we, but it seems like whenever he starts a game, it's just very, very uh, uninspiring. And so I would, I, I mean, maybe off the bench, he can provide an option. I mean, it's not like he scored a, a golasso on Saturday. I mean, it was someone was putting that one in. He was in the right place, right time. Not to discredit him. Again, I respect Cenk Tosin. I think if all our players had the same attitude as him, we would be in a much better position in the table. And I think we'd all feel a bit more um, attached to the player, so to speak, because he does show his his how passionate he is. And I think fans really respond to that. But not for me, not in the starting lineup, not in a must-win game. If that's Marco's answer, I think it's time for him to go, frankly. Um, that's just my <laughs> wait, take wait on it. Wait a second. It. Are you just casually dismissing Omar Niasi's brace the other <laughs> night in the U21 game, 23 game? I think it was a 21 game, technically. Seriously? Was this discrediting? I'm going to... F- I'm going to flagrantly dismiss <laughs> that right there, Ryan. Flagrantly. <laughs> Apparently, I'll really take go. a shot at you guys tonight. <laughs> hey, tell us how you really feel. Hey, keep that. doing it. I, I like it. Yeah, keep taking shots at James. <laughs> so, really, James, though, I, I agree with everything that you said, except I feel very passionately about the fact that Dominic Calvert-Lewin should be ahead of in the pecking order than, than Moyes Keane especially because Dominic Calvert-Lewin, before appearing in this last match against Spurs, I want to say he was five goals in five matches, five appearances. And, you know, we're talking about having lack of goals, and obviously he's not the most um, he's not the most prolific striker, but at the same time, he's in good form. If you remember back to Jenk Tosin's goal over the weekend, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was like six inches from Jenk Tosin's face, and he most likely would have buried it himself. So... It's got to be Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Keep keep forcing Moyes Keane to to work on his first touch, as Marco said, in the same in the same breath as calling him a right winger. And and, and again, force your way into the team. As of right now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has earned it for me. I, I would love to see him, and he won't do this. I would love to see him play two strikers in this particular match. Uh, I just think two strikers does much better against. Assuming he's going to stick with Ralph, is going to stick with the three man back line that he's been doing recently. Um, I would love to see pressure from two strikers in the channels between the three and us to play more direct. I, I just, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, <laughs> but 
Uh, it is unbelievable how we don't really have a striker that we all feel comfortable with, yet we have like five or six of them on the team. So uh, I, I think obviously Omar played to, to show him off, to put him in the window. I mean, I should be anything. You know, five million would be a layup. We'd take him. Probably we'll get less than that for him. Uh, now, I'm surprised. No one thinks Jank. Me scores for Turkey. No? No, not at all. Huh? No, no, no Jank. I, you guys know how I feel about Keenan. I mean, I, want Keenan, I don't think. I do. I still do. Um, but yeah, I, I think you go with Dom. I mean, if this game's going to be wide open fast, so Dom doesn't have the greatest 60 minutes, fine. Yank him and uh, put Moyes on. I think, he w- I think we will see Keen, though. I really do. That I do think at one point we will. I think I think we have to at some point, right? I mean, there were shouts for Tom Davies all season. He wasn't able to get a game. And what does he do? He comes in and he offers something different and he offers something really positive to the side. And frankly, Marco Silva's refusal to give young players the chance, I mean, throwback to Adam Lookman, like couldn't buy his place in the team if he tried. And unfortunately, I think Marco Silva knows his job is on the line and he's not willing to take any kinds of risks unless his hand is forced like it was to some extent with Tom Davis. I really believe in Moise Keen as a long-term prospect. And I'm just worried that we're approaching like an Adam Lookman type situation where it seems like everyone else's his, his value and his talent is plain for everyone to see except for our current manager for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, the thing is the side is fairly young. I guess that would be the counter. You know, he's forced to play young people no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, be very interesting to see how he goes with some of the other decisions too. Does he play Holgate or Keen? Does he play Coleman? Does he play Sidibe? Uh, I don't know. I, I could see, I think the way these guys play, they're a little speedier. I think Holgate, uh, Holgate's defending on the goal was embarrassing, but he played a really great first half. His speed was on display. Uh, he identifies me with his distribution. Mm. I think he thinks he's much better than he is with it. But I, don't you have to go with Holgate? I mean, the only opportunity they really conceded to Spurs was a back pass by Awobi, I think you go with the same. I think their open play defense was good. Um, you know, you hope that Southampton doesn't score on another set piece. They haven't scored on many this year. I, I think we're going to win this thing. I think we're. I'm going two nil, Everton, three points. Yes, yes. I, I believe like you, it. Ryan, Alex. Actually, I I I feel good about that scoreline to be honest, but. I just have a feeling this might be one in which we, you know, we turn off on a set piece. I, th- I think that we have a very strong prospect. I think that they're going to have fire in their bellies from, you know, from the last match, specifically how it was officiated and then what happened to Andre. So I'll go 2 1 to Everton, conceding on a set piece of some sort. Yeah, we really need to come out of the gates hot. I mean, this team, if the situation last Saturday didn't isn't didn't serve as any kind of motivation um, and the manager can't get the team up for this one, then I truly think that Marco Silva's time could very well be done. But for me, I think he does. I think the team responds. And I think, you know, even though they're literally one spot behind us in the table, this is a game that we should and will win. I'm going to go. I don't want to pick the score lines that you guys already picked. And I, I, I would say we're going to win one nil. Okay. I mean, I know they're not high in the table. They've been playing better recently. I don't want anyone to think that two nil is my way of saying that they stink. We're going to roll them. I think we're going to come out and play well. I really do. I certainly hope so. (laughs) So My God, we don't really have a choice at this point. Do we? We're in 17th. Oh no, no, no. Although I'm not as concerned about playing the bigger clubs. I actually think Marco almost sets up better against them. I think these guys are a little different. 
hopefully Ralph will overthink this one, change formations 15 times and, and uh, we'll take him out. I'm hopeful. I'm looking forward to the game. I, I have not truly said that in a bit. I'm hoping we turn the corner. That's, that's what I'm thinking. There you go. If, if those aren't famous last words, I don't know what are. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks a bunch to Ryan for coming on as usual. And just one last note, if you haven't joined our Discord, get on it. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll be with you guys following the match of the weekend. Until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time. 